God has created us to bring glory to him. All of us. That includes my baby, fearfully and wonderfully made, declaring creator God's glory today by wriggling around, practicing reflexes and growing stronger through his care. It's been an amazing time learning more about God as creator. So how are we bringing God glory today? This psalm encourages us to do this in three ways, considering creation as we were earlier in the service, knowing and applying God's word to our lives, seeking forgiveness for sins, and pleasing him with our thoughts and attitude. C.S. Lewis says that this is the greatest poem in the psalm, in the Psalms, and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. So let's find out why together. As Lucy was reading, the words are beautiful. Creation, God's word, and our attitude. Creation declares the glory of God. Following God's word glorifies him. And our thoughts and meditations can be pleasing in his sight. So may our thoughts and meditations indeed please him today. Amen. If we want to see God's glory revealed, we just need to look at his creation and his word. The theological terms, if you want to be fancy, are natural revelation in creation and supernatural revelation in the Bible. Spurgeon called these the world book and the word book, which is perhaps easier to remember. But by studying both of these, we learn more about God and we see him more clearly. Last week with John, we looked at a bit of God's revelation in creation in Psalm 8. And this week, we're also adding to that God's word. David, in writing this psalm, would have been referring to the first five books of the Bible that we have today, which is God's law given through Moses to instruct the people of Israel. Our response to God's self-revelation in creation and the word brings glory to God. So let's look together at the world book and the word book. Firstly, look at verses 1 to 6. Creation declares the glory of God. Verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. What are the skies telling us about God? We've already heard some ideas this morning. But most obviously, he is creator. He loves beauty and color. He is wise. He designed the weather to bring us sun and rain. This makes the plants grow. What is being declared and proclaimed by the skies? The psalm tells us it's the glory of God and the works of his hands. Creation shows us that God is real. He is beautiful. He is merciful because he's given this message to everybody. Verses two to four. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out to the whole earth, their words to the end of the world. 
God's wisdom is seen and felt throughout creation. An alternative translation of voice in verse 4 is measuring line. You might be able to see that at the bottom of your page. Something that stretches out across the whole world. And another translation I came across is for their cry going out to all the earth. The cry word can be argued in the Hebrew to mean chord, musical note, or music. Now, as a worship pastor, obviously I love this translation. God speaks to me through my love of music. Creation's worship song is heard everywhere. God inspires me through this translation to live my life to his glory, like a worship song to him. The point of both these alternative translations is the same. Creation declares the glory of God to the whole world. Paul picks this up in Romans 1 verse 20. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And also in Romans 10, 18, Paul quotes this psalm again, condemning the Israelites for not being receptive to Jesus. All the world has received some kind of message about Jesus because creation declares his glory. So how, he thought, looking at creation, could these Jews not believe in the creator as Jesus? Creation's voice pours forth like a fountain. This poetic language demonstrates a continuous message, 24-7, preaching to us the greatness and glory of God, making us aware of him, the creator who made it all. We receive this message through our eyes as we look around, our ears as we hear the birds. All of our senses can be used to discover more about the creator. And this universal message of glory is a challenge to us. Creation speaks of God. So how might we, too, speak of God as part of his creation with our lives? What might it look like to show something of God to those around us? Maybe a kind word, showing God's kindness, an encouraging smile, showing the joy that he's given us in our salvation. Or perhaps using this psalm as inspiration, we could point out something we love about creation to a friend. Verses four to six. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. God's design for placing the sun shows that he's sovereign. He's decided exactly where it's going to go. It's described as a bridegroom coming out of his, his chamber in celebratory possession and a champion who can joyfully run the track. It's pretty amazing, but not as amazing as its creator. And how might the sun speak of God? I think it shows God's faithfulness and trustworthiness and constant reliability because it rises every single day. 
the Holy Spirit can help us become faithful, trustworthy, and reliable people so that we too might reflect God's glory, just like the sun. And I think the sun's warmth tells us about God's kindness because nothing is deprived of it. The sun provides the energy plants need to grow, which in turn provide us with oxygen to breathe. And the sun therefore speaks of God's sustaining power for everybody, bringing us all life. All things were created through Jesus and for his glory, which includes us. Creation declares the glory of God, but it is not an obvious message compared to how we can speak intelligently of God. We can point out a bird singing and say, God made that. So we have a greater capacity to bring God glory as the pinnacle of his creation. God's design is perfect and brings him glory, his world book. God's law is also perfect, his word book. So in verses 7 to 11, we find out about God's design revealed in his word on how to live. Following God's word brings him glory too. If you look at verse 7, one commentator suggests that this sudden change of subject should draw our attention to the greater wonder of God's written words. And all these synonyms that Lucy read to us emphasize the greater clarity and significance of God's word in revealing who God is compared with creation. As I read from verse 7, notice the positive results of living in God's design by obeying his commands. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. I wonder whether one of those stood out to you. Verse 7, God's word brings refreshment to our souls and wisdom to our minds. Have you had a time where you were really encouraged by a Bible verse? That is the beautiful refreshment this psalm speaks of. Verse 8, God's design brings joy to the heart. It is not a burden, but a joyful design. For example, God designed us to be in community. When we first gathered after lockdown, when we were first able to sing again together, hopefully that was a joyful time for most of us. Following his commands brings light to our eyes. This means we are alert and active against the evil in the world. His word lights the way so that we can see where to go and what to do. 
Have you ever again opened the Bible and read a verse that really helped you in a particular situation? That is light to the eyes. Verse 9, fear of the Lord endures forever. I heard a great analogy this week. Fear of the Lord is a bit like how we treat the sun. We love its warmth and beauty, and it helps us to see things better. But we can, we can get burnt if we're not careful with it. We love and enjoy it, but have a right respect for it, especially in heat waves. And in the same way, we love and enjoy God, but we have respect and awe for him too. Proverbs 1 verse 7 tells us that the fear of the Lord, the godly life taught by him, is the beginning of wisdom. And this wisdom shows by obeying his word. Here in the psalm, we see that God's word is perfect, sure, right, and pure. What a contrast to the failure, insincerity, and half-truth that we find in the world. Jesus prays for his disciples in John 17, verses 15 to 19. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. So Jesus himself says that God's word is truth. He has sent us into the world to declare God's glory. And all these different yet similar phrases in the psalm show the practical purpose of God revealing himself to us in his word. For his will to be done and for a response of worship, obedience and trust, just like Jesus. Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 3 tells us, In the past God spoke to us through our ancestors, through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed as heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. Creation speaks of God's glory, but Jesus speaks fully and clearly because he is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So when we speak of Jesus, we declare God's glory too. He is the word of God. And verse 10 God's word is like honey, providing sustenance. It revives us and makes us wise. His word is nourishing, giving us life on a daily basis. David, in writing this psalm, clearly treasures the word, holding it as precious and sweet, an attitude of delight. Now, C.S. Lewis said this psalm was beautiful, and isn't it great when we hear something from God that brings us to light? Verse 11, the Bible also warns us when we are in sin, and so helps our survival and our reward. It is given for our good. 
we gain the reward of eternal life through accepting this word, through accepting Jesus. And now we have even more today than David. We have all 66 books of the Bible, not just the first five. We have Jesus to look to as God's word, the most clear answer of who God is. We've been encouraged as a staff team this year to try the Bible in one year. I've been following a plan which gives me a few chapters to read every day, or sometimes the day after if I miss one. And with the app on my phone, I can also get David Suchet to read it to me, which is really handy when I'm emptying the dishwasher or brushing my teeth or making breakfast. And it's so good to encourage one another with what we're hearing from God or learning about him. In my monthly supervision meetings, I'm asked how I'm doing with my spiritual life, which is really helpful to help me reflect on how God is working, how he's speaking to me, how I've been inspired by him. So how are we encouraging one another as a church family? Perhaps over coffee and cake today, you could share something that you're enjoying about creation and how that might speak of God. Or text an inspiring verse to a friend. Share something at dinner with your family that you've been encouraged by. Speak of God's glory. Because creation does. Creation speaks of God's glory and God's word teaches us about God's glory. And the last section of our psalm, verses 12 to 14, teaches us that our words and thoughts can glorify God as well as our actions. We can glorify him with our lives. If you look at verse 12 with me. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Verses 12 and 13 remind us that we do sin. We have both hidden and deliberate sin. Things we can't remember or did without realizing that we'd sinned. Hidden sin could also mean that it's too characteristic or ingrained for us to see and realize on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to help us and a loving community around us to gently correct us. Deliberate or willful sins are things we did in arrogance, where we knew it was the wrong thing to do or think or say, as we said in our confession earlier, but we still did it anyway. How often have we known what's best in a given situation and still gone wrong? We need to be aware of how easily we can deceive ourselves. Dramatic. <laughs> uh, deliberate, um, sinful thoughts. Oh, wait, I've done that bit, sorry. Um, this psalm encourages us to rely on God's forgiveness. When we think of things that um, accidentally, you know, we can easily think of sin, think of a thought, and we haven't meant to think it, but it's just happened. 
So these verses invite us to reflect on our failures and rely on God's forgiveness. Um, And we're encouraged in the psalm to seek protection in verse 13 from sin's hold so that we're not ruled over by it. This protection is found in knowing God's word and trusting in God and asking him for forgiveness when we do go wrong. We clearly need prayer, don't we? In prayer, we seek protection from Jesus, in Jesus, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. God is our refuge. He is called our rock, not our accuser, our redeemer. This requires a humble heart as we realize our dependence on God. And this attitude brings glory to him. David only had prayer to keep him from deliberate sin. But we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We have assurance that just as the sun rises every day, Jesus has forgiven us if we ask him to because of his death on the cross. We have to practice avoiding deliberate sins by listening and being obedient to the voice of the Spirit, following God's word by loving him and loving those around us. The important part of this is our attitudes. Verse 14 shows us that David desires to please God in everything he says and thinks. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord. Jesus says in Luke 6.45, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. This shows us that if we spend time storing up good things from God's word, praying and worshipping him in our hearts, we will have hearts full of God's glory. Our words and actions will then flow out of that heart and our whole lives will speak of God's glory just like creation. We will struggle to do this because as verse 12 says, who can discern their own errors? But God is our rock. He is a solid and sure presence to help us every day. Jesus is our redeemer, promising us eternal life and glory with him. He is the fulfillment of the psalm. Creation was made through and for him. He fulfilled God's law perfectly and glorified God with his whole life. He is the living word, the ultimate revelation of who God is. So we have seen God's wordless revelation in his creation, the greater clarity of his written word, revealing his design on how to live our lives best, and the right response we should give which is this deep heart-searching for sin and forgiveness, a desire to be pleasing in God's sight. Paul writes this in Romans 12, 1-2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Like the sun, this is a call for our lives to be pleasing to God, satisfying his design and his purpose. Like the sun in the sky, the champion rejoicing to run, our obedience to God's word brings him delight. God's word gives us the right perspective on the world, renewing our minds. We need this as an anchor against the voices of the world and sin that surround us. Following Jesus' commands to love God and our neighbor makes us a living sacrifice. We glorify God when we reflect on his creation, his word, and on Jesus. So next time you're reading the Bible or go outside and look at creation, note what you're seeing. What is this verse telling me about God? What is his creation revealing about his character? How might I bring him glory today in my actions, thoughts, and words? God has created us to bring glory to him. Say, so, may our words, our thoughts, and the attitudes of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.